Realtor.com is making a stand for buyer representation, and you can too. Join Realtor.com in sharing the list of 111 things buyer's agents do. Visit Realtor.com slash buyer agent toolkit to help spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. And what they say, the best CRM is the one you use. (laughs) And the best coach is the one you listen to. So um, it's really just action and taking uh, activity. And uh, what we found is we have a virtual assistant and she follows up with each one of our agents' leads to make sure that they're following up with the A leads, active leads once a week, the B leads or hot prospects every two weeks, and the C or nurture leads once a month. And so we have a whole tracking system through our CRM uh, that they're that they're following up. We have a, a weekly call night every Wednesday night with our team uh, for two hours. We do twice a week role plays to uh, understand objection handling. Like, why should I buy in this market? Interest rates are high. What, how, do, how do you answer that properly? So it's just really about getting back to the basics and really training. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Velt, Editorial Director of Real Trends, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Each week, brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts join Tracy to share their trends, their secrets to success, and the lessons they've learned navigating this ever-changing industry. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where we speak to the brightest minds in real estate about leadership, business growth, trends, and strategy. I'm your host, Tracy Velt, Editorial Director of Real Trends. Today, I'd like to welcome Anthony Margulis, broker owner of Amalfi Estates and Pacific Palisades. So welcome, Anthony. Thank you, Tracy. You got my name right. It's a hard one. (laughs) Good. (laughs) I was a little concerned about that. Um, So I want to start by just having you introduce yourself to our audience. Um, And I know you've been in real estate for at least 29 years. Um, You've got a ton of experience. Um, So let's start with that. I had a, I had a full head of hair and, and no gray hair when I started. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, we've seen, uh, I think, six recessions now that I've been through. And uh, I've started out, I, I uh, was a sole, sole agent, and then I had a, a team, and then I went back to a sole agent, and now I have a team again. So uh, real estate's it's a, been a, a fun ride. It's a great experience and happy to share any insights I can with the, with your audience. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about your experience um, because, you know, today's newer agents or new to the business, um, even within the past 10 years, are not really sure um, how to handle the uncertain market. They've never really been through a slowdown in the market. Um, But I want to start with what do you see as the industry changes um, over the course of your career that have had the biggest impact on the real estate industry or real estate agents and teams? I mean, the advent of the team has definitely taken off. I know Keller Williams started it 10, 15 years ago or longer. Um, Douglas Elliman's really advent of the team. Uh, we partnered with uh, Side, uh, which uh, it's been a great partnership, and they have only teams. They have almost 700 uh, nationwide network of boutique teams representing the top four or, or 5%. So I think the advent of the team and, and a lot of the business models, a lot of companies that the, the big box real estate firms didn't really have the necessary tools to support a team regarding especially their commission structure. So um, that's why I think the Keller Williams had a commission structure that really 
and EXP uh, that really supported more of the team um, outlook. So I think te- teams are really, um, especially the, the independents, um, you look at almost every major market, Tracy, and what's really fascinating is a lot of people would think it's the big box firms that are going to take the big ownership. But in almost every major market, it's really the specialty boutique independent. Uh, Los Angeles, you know, you have Amalfi Estates, you have Westside Estate Agency, you have um, uh, Beverly Hills Estates. Now you have uh, Carrollwood that just opened up, uh, Normand and Associates, and they're really taking large pieces because people are realizing you don't need, you know, and I'm not going to mention the big box names, but you don't really need those as much to be successful. The internet really is a level playing field for many agents. They can go on social media, they can um, go on, you know, if they do well uh, marketing themselves, they can do as well as a, as a very, very large company. Yeah. And I've just seen um, the evolution of teams, you know, go from an agent who hires a, an assistant and then a transaction coordinator to these teams that have their own uh, mortgage companies or title companies. And there's teams uh, in our marketplace that uh, Aaron Kerman team, 150 agents, you know, they're really small companies. Um, and so it's just, it's interesting to see the change and the shift. Um, our company at Amalfi Estates, we're really a hybrid. We intentionally did not want to call ourselves the Margulis team. So people work for Amalfi Estates, our agents, our sales partners work for Amalfi, but they have the support of a team behind them. So it's really a hybrid model. And I think that's probably where the future's going. Um, but definitely the small boutiques, it's, I love seeing you know, uh, other competitors in our marketplace. A lot of people would be like, well, why do you want competitors in your marketplace? But to see the entrepreneurial spirit, you know, to see what companies like Side and, and other companies have done, um, it's almost the antithesis of a uh, of a Compass to a degree. I mean, Compass is a, is a good company. I'm not putting them down, but they gobbled up some amazing brands and, and took a lot of their core values and culture away um, side has created 700 companies that never existed before. They took someone who worked at a big box company and said, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to, you know, I, I want to brand myself. And I, I think that's going to be a lot of the future. I see a lot more people doing that now. Yeah. I see a lot more competitors to side now as well. Um, and you know, I, I kind of want to go into that a little bit. Um, you know, we talk about, inventory in the market and we talk about changes and the boutique. Um, I know, you know, we just posted an article by uh, Scott Wright from um, RTC Consulting, which was previously Real Trends, um, the consulting side about team valuations and and how to structure your team to make it valuable. They're seeing a ton of um, teams being valued right now to sell. Um, and, and so I feel like that evolution, they're almost becoming competitors to brokerages in, in a lot of ways. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I can, I can see that happening, um, for some of the, the models and it gets a little blurs, it blurs the lines a lot because you have agents that sometimes are working on, on a team, but they're not part of the team. You know, they have different levels, so it definitely can get a little bit confusing. I think one of the biggest uh, industry changes in the last three years that a lot of people aren't talking about, Tracy, is the knowledge transfer communication channel has broken down because of COVID. So I remember for years, um, so I started my 
my adding agents to our to our team about six years ago. And the most successful ones that I saw that I was mentoring were ones that really camped out of my office and really soaked up as much information as possible and were basically with me almost 24-7 asking questions and, and listening to objection handling. You know, I've, I've been fortunate. I've helped 1,500 families buy and sell homes. I've sold personally $2 billion in real estate. And you learn a lot over that time period. Do I have all the answers? No. I'm learning every day. But, but you know, I have... I have a good amount of knowledge and, and I've been teaching real estate at UCLA for uh, going on 19 years, real estate contracts and negotiating. So I've been doing that for a while. Um, and so be pre COVID people, agents would come and, and really soak up that information and really be there quite a bit um, as in, in, in gather that with COVID. Now we're not going to the office as much. People are doing zoom and you can't transfer as much as if you're in person with someone, you know, people are distracted. They're, they're checking texts and doing emails and such. So, so that's what I really miss. And I think a lot of industries are going to see in the next few years, the knowledge of the newer agents is not going to be as robust and as comprehensive as we've seen pre COVID. And I think it's going to be a real issue that we're going to see over the next 10 years. Yeah. And I want to draw on your knowledge, um, you know, because we still have a low inventory in most most markets. Um, you know, it's still pretty tight and transactions are down up to 30, 40 percent in some markets. Um, you know, other markets are doing better. But what strategies do you have? Like what based on your experience can you offer to um, to agents to creatively build their own inventory in a market? What are some of the strategies that you would recommend? Yeah, Tracy, that's a great question. So what we've been able to do regarding uh, generating additional inventory, we use uh, texting programs. So there's a couple big ones out there. Easy texting is one. What we found is um, a lot of people, they still use email or maybe they'll use the phone to generate additional um, inventory or listings. There's 125 billion emails business emails that get sent daily. The average person is receiving 121 emails a day. What we found though with the texting program is that 31% prefer texting. There's a 98% open rate. So what we do is we do a customized text. We send it out. Let's say we have a client looking in a certain price point in a certain area and certain demographics. We'll send, we'll, we'll pull up in the MLS, all the properties that have sold between two and five years ago, and then we'll customize it. And that text will say, you know, Tracy, I see you sold the property at, at 123 Bollinger Street um, two years ago. Would your client be interested in possibly selling? And the response rate, we, we get a minimum of five to 10 new potential off markets. And the listing agent loves it because they're the, the potential listing agent, because then they have an excuse to call their client. So uh, the texting program has been a fantastic. Uh, we typically see a 25 percent response rate within five minutes. So, so 25% of the text we send out within five minutes, we get a response. Um, and you never would get that with email, not even close. Yeah. So yeah. that's our, that's our secret sauce to generate okay. um, additional uh, off markets. I've sold 17 properties off market alone in one year, uh, just mm -hmm. using that program. That's amazing. 
Yeah. And um, what other what other strategies? I mean, you know, obviously, sphere of influence is incredibly important right now in, in building those relationships um, in deepening those relationships, I should say, with past clients and customers. What are some of your recommendations for newer agents who are struggling with ways to reach them? So I think the best is getting back to the basics, Tracy. It really comes down to you know, unfortunately, the reality TV shows, uh, a few recent ones are getting a little more realistic um, with, with, with what's going on in the industry. But um, I think everything between the, the, the Bitcoin society that we've created of getting rich quick and the reality shows and people forget, you know, we started going back to door knocking and we're in a luxury market. Uh, we started going back to circle prospecting. We've created, um, uh, you know, fun competitions with our office. Around that, we have a great marketing around door knocking. Um, and the goal is to get four new emails a day. So you can get a thousand new emails a year. And so in five years, you'll have 5,000 new additional contacts in your database. So it's just getting back down to the basics, uh, understanding you have to prospect at least two hours a day, hiring a coach. Uh, we use Workman Success Systems. I know there's a lot of fantastic coaches uh, out there, but that's the, the system that helped us go from $100 million a year to close to $500 million a year last year. So having the accountability, having a coach, getting back to the basics, um, I think is really the key. So you've got a lot of experience building teams. So how many people are on your team and how many of them um, list or, or buyer's agents? So like I said, our team structure is a hybrid model. Uh, we support and encourage our sales partners to take listings. Uh, we have a culture of productivity. So our agents on our boutique company and our team can get upwards of 80% commission splits based on the number of transactions that they do. Um, so they are able to take listings. We encourage them to take listings. They're basically working for a boutique real estate company with the support of a team uh, behind them. Okay, great. Um, let's talk about lead conversion because teams are usually pretty good at generating leads and converting leads. Um, so what tactics do you find useful? What lead sources do you find the most useful? So some of the, you know, lead sites are great if you're newer in the business and then hopefully you can wean off them. Uh, we've been very fortunate using Zillow Flex. We did uh, close to $100 million in transactions last year with Zillow Flex alone. Uh, Homelight is a great uh, lead source as well. Um, what we've found is it's all about accountability and your CRM. Uh, and what they say, the best CRM is the one you use. <laughs> so, and the best coach is the one you listen to. So um, it's really just action and taking uh, activity. And, and um, uh, what we found is we have a virtual assistant and she follows up with each one of our agents leads to make sure that they're following up with the A leads, active leads once a week, the B leads are hot prospects every two weeks and the C or nurture leads once a month. And so we have a whole tracking system through our CRM uh, that they're that they're following up. We have a, a weekly call night every Wednesday night with our team uh, for two hours. We do twice a week role plays to uh, understand objection handling. Like, why should I buy in this market? Interest rates are high. What, how, do, how do you answer that properly? So it's just really about getting back to the basics and really training. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and what do you find to be the most, um, you know, difficult things for agents today? Where are you seeing the most challenges or the, the biggest questions that they're asking you? 
Well, 50% of the agents have never experienced a down market. We've been in an appreciating market for 12 straight years. Um, you know, I'm, what's interesting is last year was the best year in real estate in 30 years, because usually in one's 30-year career, you'll see one of these indices happen. Uh, we saw the lowest interest rates in history. We saw the highest annual appreciation in one year. We saw the lowest days on market, and we saw the largest number of transactions. And so when you put all those together, agents kind of expected that they were the reason that they were successful. And the reality is it was the market. You know, the average market goes up about 3% on the total dollar volume of homes every year, approximately 2 or 3%, at least in the Los Angeles market. From 2020 to 2021, it went up 83%, the dollar volume of homes. And so, and then we obviously saw what everyone's experiencing now is going back to more of a normal market um, where things aren't selling in a week with multiple offers. So I think just educating and managing agents and sellers and buyers expectations that the last two years is not a normal market. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we, I want to talk the the first commission lawsuit, the Sitzer case goes to court in February. And, um, you know, obviously it's going to take a while. It's going to, dep- regardless of the decision, you'll see appeals and it'll take several years, but it might set the tone for other, the other lawsuits coming up. So what is your, you kind of run a teamerage, correct? Like, you know, is that what, uh, when you say hybrid model, what you would consider? I mean, I haven't labeled it. Uh, with your <laughs> naming, but uh, I, I really, we, we're not a typical team. And so uh, we have a mission statement. My goal is that, that every agent on our team hits their financial goals. It's not how much money I can make. It's not how much money the company can make. It's how much money each agent can make. Um, and then we also have a charity component where we give 10% of our commission to charity. Um, and so those are my two big whys is how we can have every agent on our team. Uh, the goal is to um, uh, hit their financial goals. So uh, okay. which I, most most teams and most companies don't have that goal. I, I don't know if that's so much their what what drives them, but that's what drives yeah us at Amalfi. Okay, so so what is your take on on the lawsuits and what are you doing to prepare for possibly a worst case scenario? Yeah, so I think worst case scenario, Tracy. I mean that's. Uh, that's terminology that I don't really, uh, a worst case implies negativity, right? I think it's exciting. I think it's positive. I think it's, change is great. I love change. Um, you know, uh, there's been so many changes in our marketplace with the iBuyer model and discount real estate firms and, um, and you name it. I mean, if you're not ready and willing to embrace change and the boutique real estate firms are able to to move their company and shift much quicker than these large, large, you know, billion dollar companies who aren't able to move as fast. So I'm excited for it. I think it's a positive. I think uh, transparency is good. Um, I think, uh, you know, the one question I'm, I'm curious how they're going to do it is it's going to affect home values because if we've had five and 6% commissions built into home prices, and then suddenly we change that, and you're looking at a comparable sale that sold six months ago that had commissions built in. I'm just curious how that model is going to is going to be working. Um, but no, I, I, I'm excited for it. I think it's a positive. I think uh, the more transparency, I think consumer protection is great. Um, if buyers, you know, pay the commissions, more power to them. Um, so I'm all for it. 
Yeah, I think um, what I what several brokers I've talked to have been really encouraging their buyers agents to use representation agreements. Um, you know detailing exactly how, where the money is coming from and who's, how, how everybody is being paid and being really transparent from that side as well. Um, so I, I've definitely seen an increase in, in those types of agreements. Have, have you seen that in your market at all or? We, we, yeah, we, yes, we have uh, buyer broker agreements. I mean, they're, they're, it's fascinating why more people don't use them. I mean, you get a listing and you get a listing agreement. Um, I think it's just confidence in buyers and what the value that they bring to the table about whether they're going to be using a buyer broker or not. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, I think more people definitely will be using them. Um, I, I started my career as a buyer's only broker, so I'm a big fan of of having that. California is one of the last few states to allow dual agency. Most states have outlawed it. Uh, or change, you know, as a transactional broker, or how, how they're going to call it. But California still allows the uh, dual agency. And I think that's going to be changing. I think the lawsuits are going to be opening up a lot more conversational pieces. And, you know, just because an organization is so powerful and so strong, like NAR and CAR, doesn't mean what they're doing is the right thing. And I think if consumers and the law um, say otherwise, I'm all for it. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting how it all plays out. Um, you know, I know that um, definitely teams are better um, better suited. Uh, a company like Side is uh, since they're not necessarily a brokerage per se, like a traditional brokerage. Um, you know, will will do fairly well no matter what. Um, so it'll it will be interesting to see what the changes are. And I know um, a lot of agents and brokers are really excited about this market period. Not, you know, forget the, the whole lawsuits, but just the opportunity that this market offers um, to grow and to, to really um, become the agent of choice or the, the broker of choice in, the, in your market. So talk to me a little bit about that. You've been through a lot of different um, down markets and, and up markets. What did you do consistently that, um, you know, continues to bring you success no matter what? I mean, I think, having the history and the experience, right? So when properties don't sell quickly, what experience you have to, to, to handle that, whether it be your marketing, whether it's managing, it's really managing sellers' expectations and buyers' expectations for that matter. Um, and I think having the, the knowledge behind it to understand that. I think, as you mentioned, Tracy, it's a great time to recruit. There's going to be a lot of agents who, it was very easy the last couple of years you know, it was basically like fishing in a, in a stocked pond and you put your hand in and you grab five fish and it's a different market now. And you have to be smarter and you have to be um, more um, strategic uh, in how you're interacting. So I think there's great opportunities to uh, recruit. I think we're going to see the future is going to be a lot more boutique firms uh, taking away from, from the larger companies. The other thing that the elephant in the room is the stock price of a lot of these companies. Uh, Redfin stock dropped 96% from the peak. Uh, April and, and May of last year was the peak for real estate stocks. Um, and and it's, it's affected the brick and mortars too, anywhere stock. And you look at a lot of the other uh, brick and mortar stock companies are down 50 to 60%, um, even you know the remaxes of the world. But you look at the tech stock companies and the compasses of the world and the Redfins of the world and 
They're, I mean, to drop 96% in value, you know, Compass has gone from a $10 billion valuation. They were down to $800 million and now they're a billion dollar valuation. So I hope they get profitable. I know a lot of people get excited when other when their competitors don't do well, but I think we're all in this together. <laughs> I I hope Compass, I, agree. I hope Compass does well because they, they're a great company and they have great yeah. agents and you know, and if if they go under, it's a domino effect. You know, there's a whole chain of other companies yeah. that that will have a similar issue. So I personally don't see them going under. Um, you know, I think they've been making a lot of restructuring decisions to, you know, to fortify. It's but a cash um, flow, Tracy, that's the issue. It's a cash yep. flow. So I know. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think they're look. People love to say they're going to go under, but I agree with you. I, it's like too yeah. big to fail. Um, and they yeah. have too many great agents and, and they do have some great agents. But, uh, yeah, definitely. And and I do feel like there was a shift um, when the market shifted. It happened a little bit before this, but even I, I feel like Wall Street kind of saw, OK, these companies were positioned as tech companies, uh, oh, but they're subject to the whims of the market, just like any other real estate company. And um, that kind of had sev- several companies taking a hit. Um, for sure, with their stock price, but there was more to it than that. Um, but that was part of it, for sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting the next few years. I mean, the great thing about real estate is is change, and uh, we've all we've all been through it. Whether it was you know 2008 and the financial crisis, and um, I mean, you name it. Every two or three years, there's another item that, that that comes up. But the reality is, people always need to buy and sell homes, and um, that's the the beauty of it. Uh, our coach is always saying there's a river of real estate, and you just have to position yourself to be where you need to be when people need your help to buy and sell homes. Because no matter what the market is, it's life changes where people buy and sell. You know, they get divorced, they pass away, they downsize, they have, you know, want to restructure debt. Um, so that's the reason people move. It's not really the economy that's that's affecting their, their moving decisions. It's, their, it's just their life. Life, life happening. Yeah, absolutely. And do you find that you, um, you know, other than training agents, uh, maybe more training, different training during different ups and down, up and down markets, do you really feel like you do the same, you know, do the same activities, you know, kind of consistently throughout, or are you doing anything different right now? Um, you know, obviously you change with the market or you change, maybe not change with the market, I guess, change with the, with the times, I will say not necessarily related to the market, but new technology comes out new, you know, innovative ways to do business, um, things like that. How, what are you doing right now that might be a little different than what you did, uh, you know, a year ago? So the, the two main things that we didn't, a year ago, we didn't need to, we, we had the best year ever and, and everything was great, but I realized in November of last year, I saw the market shift. I saw the data. I saw inventory. I saw uh, I'm a data data nerd, and I love tracking the data. So we started putting in place last November um, our door knocking campaign. We started putting in, in place, you know, each agent has to knock a minimum of 40 doors a week. We started putting the materials aside. We started doing the friendly competitions in the office where there's a $100 prize if you knock a minimum Whoever knocks the most doors, it's got to be over 40 doors. We started doing uh, circle prospecting. Uh, we use um, Mojo Dialing, but Red X, and there's a lot of great companies out there um, to do that. And we 
develop systems and we've learned along the way. So we circle prospect around an upcoming listing. So it's not yet on the market. We call the neighbors, we get them excited, say there's property that's not on the market. We want to invite you to a special open house right before um, the general public. And we found we get about 25 to 30% of their email captures just by uh, circle prospecting around an upcoming listing. So that's been phenomenal to do that as well. Um, and just teaching them how to prospect. I mean, the longevity of a successful agent, look, everyone asks, what, what, is, what is the most important thing a real estate agent? What do we do? And everyone says, oh, we're in customer service and we, we help people and we like real estate. And the reality is we're in the lead generation business. That's what we're in. And if agents are not able to generate their own leads, they will not be successful in this business. So that's where we're constantly helping them to yeah. lead generate and to, and to you know, add four new emails a day uh, to their database so they'll be successful. Yeah. Um, my last question, really just last words, what's your final word of advice for real estate agents who are maybe struggling a little bit through this market? I would hire a coach. Uh, hire a coach that you relate with uh, that has similar core values um, that, uh, you know, believes in you. Um, my first year in real estate, I hired a coach. Um, and then the second thing is once you get a couple sales under your belt, hire an assistant. Um, 90% of what we do, an assistant can do, and most of it a virtual assistant. So I think those are the, the, the two best. And, and then if you can join a team, um, a successful team, and, and learn how top agents became successful, I think it's very, very important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for joining uh, Real Trending today. We really appreciate you being on and offering your wisdom. You're welcome, Tracy. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you'd take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. And we will see you next week with more news and insights.